For the next hour, you'll be leaving the show me state and entering the show me the money state. So stop what you're doing, grab a pen, and get ready to learn, people. Because you're tuned to the Ozarks' number one show about your money. Randy Floyd, founder of Floyd Financial Group, will be your guide for straight talk about living the life you deserve in retirement. Prepare to be empowered. Now, here's your show me the money host, Randy Floyd. Thank you so much. Welcome to Show Me the Money with Randy and Jake Floyd, the radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help you reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name is Jeff Shade, and as always, I'm here to ask the questions, but of course, the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group. Start with you, Randy. How are you doing today? Doing very well, Jeff. How about you? I am doing great, thank you. And uh, Jake, how are you feeling this morning? I'm just excited to blow some stuff up here in a few days. That's right. It is 4th of July weekend. Well, 4th of July comes on Tuesday, but nevertheless, we're going to add Monday into the weekend. And yeah, a lot of people out there with firecrackers and fireworks just blowing things up. And of course, we want them to be safe. Happy birthday, America. 247 years old. And as we talked about before we went on the air today, some of these cities in America don't look a day over 200. But nevertheless, we're (laughs) certainly celebrating freedom and, again, the best country in the world, America. Happy birthday, Lady Liberty. A lot to talk about on today's show. Of course, uh, this being July 4th, the weekend, it is actually July 1st. This is the halfway point of the year, so we might reflect on what's happened in the last six months and look forward to the next six months. But let's talk about what's going on in the economy right now. There was this lady from Bank of America who is really talking about a bull market for everything. What do you think about that comment? And is she right? Is she wrong? Or is she just the eternal optimist? We have some of those out there, Jeff, and we talk about them from time to time, the eternal bulls versus those that are the eternal bears, the people that no matter what uh, anybody says, one sees the glass as half empty and one sees the glass as half full, right? So uh, this lady, I'm sure, is very smart, very well studied. You know, she works for a one of the largest financial firms in the country, and they allowed her to go on TV. So I'm sure she had some basis for what she had to say. Of course, we have another gentleman that uh, I listened to this morning uh, that has rarely actually been on TV, manages a $30 billion hedge fund, and he said everything is in a bubble. Mm -hmm. And so I guess the reason we even bring this up is today Americans, our clients, are asking a lot of questions as to, okay, is the bear market over? Is the market going to rally now and do good? Or is this a precursor to a big downfall in the market? And so everybody is kind of scratching their head because nobody really knows what Jerome Powell might do next. Everybody is kind of saying, okay, so how much money does the American consumer actually have in their bank accounts? And are they buying all this on credit? We know that we're at record levels of credit card debt right now and those sorts of things. So what in the world is actually happening? And everybody is asking that same question. The one thing that Mr. Klarman talked about that I thought was really interesting was he talked about you know the SPACs that we had over looking back over our shoulder during COVID, a different way to take 
companies public. We looked at all of the speculation that was going on with tech companies and that sort of thing, and then the tightening of the clamp on the money supply. And he said, you know, we've been victims or benefactors in America and with companies being able to borrow money for nearly zero. So the cost of money really low and the availability of lots of capital really propped those companies up during COVID. And then we've seen some of those companies come from, you know, being up three, four, five hundred percent during that time where they're down now 90 percent from their high. So everybody has a lot of questions, I guess, is what it amounts to. And right now, I think what's important is we need to be patient and really play our cards right as we really see what's going to settle out. This Seth Clarkman did say that he thought Americans were probably going to run short of cash toward the tail end of the year. Now, Again, this gentleman has an opinion like everybody else. I'm not saying that he's exactly right, but I do think this. He is very thoughtful and very practical in his predictions and uses a form of math to do that. So you've got two differing opinions here. The lady from Bank of America, of course, is very bullish, and Mr. Klarman is a little bit on the other side of the coin here. Would you say that there is a very positive sentiment, though, amongst the populace of America that really we're just hoping and praying, and we just want this bull market to be here sooner than later? I would agree that that is the case, Jeff. I'll, I'll tell you what I'm finding, though. Depending on who you talk to and what their age group is, you have a lot of different takes on what's happening. So while uh, the people that are retired, a lot of them are saying, yeah, Randy, as they come in and sit down with me and we're talking just over a cup of coffee, we don't think that the economy has had enough pain yet for this to be over. And I tend to agree with them that we have not paid any significant price We've got to cool the economy. We've got to right this ship before we can really, really get back to strong growth. You know, productivity is one of the things we've talked about here. We've got to get America productive again. And I'm not talking about just in general. I'm talking about per capita or per worker. We need to have more production. And hey, you know, we're going to talk about this later. AI is going to probably play a big role in that looking forward. And that may be the very thing that could potentially save us from a recession. So would you say that the word of the day is patience here? I mean, we want to be patient. We've been waiting for this recession. I penciled it in on the calendar and I just keep uh, pushing it back and pushing it back. If you are getting close to retirement and you're still an investor, would you say to just be patient and go back to fundamentals? Well, you know, right now we have a lot of people, more than we've had in probably, I guess, 15 years. We have more people in cash and cash equivalents earning somewhere between 3 and 5% interest than we've had for a very, very long time. For retirees, they're like, you know what, uh, for the risk versus reward of the market, I'll take the 3 or 4 or 5% and wait. If you're younger folks, I mean, we're impatient we're looking to, you know, make more money now. We'd like to have the next market run-up happen right now today. But again, I think some things still have to happen in the economy. We have to have a little bit more pain before we can get back to the strong growth that I do believe is on the other side of where we are here right now. Randy, you talked earlier about a recession, and it seems to me that a recession is imminent, and it's really what we need to have happen in order to right this ship. Again, we've been pushing it off, as I said. Are we still looking for a recession by the end of this year, or has it been pushed to the first part of 2024? 
Well, here's what we know. We have talked about the fact that Home Depot and Lowe's have lowered guidance for the balance of the year. Home Depot came off a 12-quarter winning streak to suffer their first miss on revenue and profits this last time. And now we're hearing from some sources that uh, big-ticket items like RVs and boats and that sort of thing, the uh, orders there are slowing. So we see a lot of things starting to take place that will lead to a slowing of the economy and I think probably a recession that is needed. And we have to remember that the market and the economy are two different things. So probably what will happen most likely is as the market either bottoms out or is bottomed out and starts to go up, the economy may still be feeling some of its worst pains during that time when the market is headed back up. Well, it's sort of like COVID. I mean, some people maybe had COVID, but they didn't know that they had COVID. Is the same with a recession. I mean, could we have had a recession or a partial recession and maybe just not known it? Or is it going to be obvious when we're in the recession? Now, I think it will be obvious, Jeff, when we're in the recession. We're going to have a few more people laid off. And when I say a few, I don't know what that number is, a million, two million, what that number looks like. I'm not sure. But yeah, we're going to definitely know it when it's here. Of course, next year is an election year. If we have a recession during an election year, how do you think that's going to pan out? What's that going to look like? Yeah, I think if we look back at history, Jeff, um, you know, you look at the year 2000, 2008, 2012, even 2016, we were kind of recovering from a late 2015 dip. You have these downturns that are linked to some of these election years, and the psychology of election years is, hey, we have this, whether it's been working or not working, we have this person in office, and now we're going to maybe switch to this other person, and frankly, when you see everybody get on the debate stage, you lose faith in humanity, yeah. and you know, I think that, I think that, that plays some <laughs> into it. You go in with, with hope, thinking, hey, this guy's going to be good, this guy's going to be good, and uh, 99% of the time you're very much disappointed when you get done. But all that to say that um, 2000 was a rough year, 2008 was obviously a rough year, 2020 was a rough year. So if we're going into recession, going into that same time frame, you know, that could put some additional pressure. I mean, especially when we have somebody like Biden that's the incumbent, Mm-hmm. We have half the Democratic Party trying to oust him, the other half trying to play him like a puppet. We've got, you know, Robert Kennedy Jr. out there, you know, working out shirtless in jeans uh, oh. at 69. Wow. And, uh, you know, <laughs> he's an anti-vaxxer, but he says he's a Democrat, but he comes off more like a libertarian. Right. You know, it could get very interesting, you know, not to mention, obviously, a lot of people are going to be well-versed in the Republican choices, Right. That listen to this show. But it could be a very interesting dynamic. Um, There's talk that Biden may not even debate Mr. RFK Jr. And Trump was on saying that he may not debate the other case. Like, why would I debate Mm -hmm. him? He's like, I have 60 percent of the vote. Yeah. You know, I only have things to lose, not to gain, basically. And so we could see a lot of firsts potentially Mm -hmm. during this cycle. It'll be interesting to see where it all shakes out. But historically speaking, election years are not good years, but they are followed by very good years in a lot of cases. We're talking with Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group, and we've been talking about what's happening here in the economy. Would you say that the takeaway then, gentlemen, is just to be patient that this too shall pass? We need to be patient, but we do need to have a plan regardless of which direction this goes. It it is feasible, it's possible that we could get away with this with a shallow-ish recession. 
but in the event that's not the case, we need to have a plan to deal with a lot of that volatility, as well as if we do get away with a shallow one, we need to be able to capitalize on what growth there is to be had during that time. If our listeners are concerned about how they're going to weather these financial storms and you would like that plan that Jake has been talking about to get you to and through retirement, a plan that will keep you safe no matter what the financial storms blow our way, you can call 417-889-7233 and request that financial plan with Randy and Jake Floyd at Floyd Financial Group. Once again, there's no cost, no obligation, certainly no judgment for that plan. Again, that number, 417-889-7233. Just a casual conversation, a discovery session, if you will, to talk about what your needs, your hopes, your goals are for retirement, for Randy and Jake to find out what you're all about, for you to find out what they're all about and come up with a plan, as I said, that's going to get you to and through retirement. Once again, 417-889-7233. You can also request your plan online at floydfinancialgroup.com. You're listening to Show Me the Money. We're going to take a quick break. Be right back with more of our show after this here on 104.1 KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. Do you know who your financial advisor is working for? Do you know if they're a fiduciary? This is Randy Floyd from Floyd Financial Group. As a registered investment advisory firm, we're proud to be fiduciaries, which means we're legally bound to serve you and your best interest above our own. Advisors working for retail banks are held to a suitability standard, meaning their first legal obligation is to protect the banks they work for and maybe not you. At Floyd Financial Group, now more than ever, we're concerned about protecting your savings rather than taking more risk than you'd like to take in the stock market. At Floyd Financial Group, as fiduciaries, we're committed to your future and overall financial well-being, not to shareholders. If you're not sure who your financial advisor is working for, or if you're feeling unsure about your nest egg, call us today at 887-889-PLAN. That's 887-889-PLAN. Or visit us online at floydfinancialgroup.com to schedule a phone call or an online meeting. That's floydfinancialgroup.com. Declare your retirement independence today with Floyd Financial Group. Having the right investment strategy could allow you all sorts of freedom to do what you want, when you want, for the rest of your life. You've worked hard, you've saved a lot, and at Floyd Financial Group, we want to help you avoid what is likely your single largest expense in retirement, taxes. With all the economic fallout from the pandemic and the new administration, taxes are almost certainly on the rise. Somebody has to pay for the trillions in debt we're racking up. Don't let it be you. Call Floyd Financial Group at 417-889-7233 to learn about our complete retirement investment strategy and how they're customized for every unique patriot working towards retirement independence. That's 417-889-7233 or visit floydfinancialgroup.com, floydfinancialgroup.com. Advisory services offered through Floyd Financial Group, LLC. Ready for a heaping helping of some more real talk? Thought so. Here's another serving of Show Me the Money with your server, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about right now, coming up this next year, we have the most people ever, Jake, turning 65 in a single year. That's right. And we're about to hit what they're calling Peak 65. That's a historic demographic event where, again, we'll see the largest number of Americans reaching 65 in history. And the takeaway from this is that far too many still do not have the savings and protected income that they need to retire comfortably. So if our listeners are thinking that they're part of that demographic, 
demographic in which they do not have enough money to retire comfortably. Let's start there. How do we determine if we have enough money to retire comfortably? That's a pretty broad question, but I think that it kind of starts with how much money you need in retirement to live on. And so um, there's a lot of people, say the vast majority, 95 plus percent of people don't really operate on a budget. And so the first thing we have to determine is exactly how much money somebody needs to have in retirement in order to live the life they want to live. So a lot of what goes into that budget is, you know, personality things and things that you you know, what do you like to do with your free time? Do you like to fish off the bank at a creek? You know, if so, that's relatively inexpensive. Or do you like to fish off of a big ocean liner boat for sharks? You know, that's uh, obviously a lot more expensive. So depending on what you want to do in retirement is going to determine whether you need more income or less income or the same amount of income in retirement. So rather than looking at the gross salary, we go in and we say, okay, here's how much is the actual take-home pay what actually hits the account each month. The reason why we like to look at that number is because that's after taxes, that's after FICA, that's after Social Security, that's after 401k funding, that's after health insurance. And so it gives us a pretty good look at what you're actually used to spending. It's not perfect, but it's certainly a good place to start. Once we've kind of established how much money we need, then we can go about devising a plan to take that money the most efficiently. So to your first question is how do we know if we have enough and how do we know that we're going to be successful in retirement is we have to know what we need to spend and then we can start to approach that. And this information comes from a study from the Protected Retirement Income and Planning people here. And it pointed out that 51% of consumers between the ages of 45 and 75 feel that they, as we said, don't have enough money for retirement savings to last their lifetime. 32% are not confident that they're going to have enough money in retirement to cover basic monthly expenses. And 44% are retired currently or retired previously and have gone back to work. Would you say that as a result of this and in your experience, is there a growing demand for what we'll call safe money investments, safer investments? So I think that the recent rise in interest rates has reignited interest in safe investments in general, such as CDs or savings accounts. You know, if you're not getting paid any interest, you know, you have no interest in that investment. You know, right. That's the whole point of investing the money. Right. So when it comes to that question, I think it's less about the safety, although people should be maybe more concerned about safety. I find that the average person is not as concerned about that. What they're concerned about is their lifestyle. But as an advisor, I know that a certain amount of safety is necessary to maintain a lifestyle with a high degree of certainty. So that means if the market comes along and really craps out on us next year, we need to make sure that um, you're not going to have to go back to work like that 44% of people you were just talking about. I would say, though, Jeff, in this area with our listeners on this show, if you are really concerned that you don't have enough money, you're probably fine. Mm-hmm. Because your concern about not having enough money has probably made you save and get into a position where you're in good shape. However, we have sometimes people come in here and they say, "Hey, you know, I'm making two hundred fifty thousand a year with me and my spouse, but I don't really have much saved, and I'm fifty five. You know, that's when you want to be more concerned. And so, we found though that most of the time when people are really concerned about it. Sometimes we'll have people that come in and say, hey, you know, I've got a couple million bucks and I need to pull 80000 a year off of it for retirement to be comfortable. 
you know, that's obviously that works just fine. And there's a lot of people that are concerned that they're going to run out of money. And that's always our, our number one concern as well. And the biggest thing we have to do is we just have to make a decent return and we have to take a good portion of the risk off the table so that we don't have what we need to not do in retirement is make a big mistake. A lot of these listeners have done a very good job saving the money. It's now our job as an advisor not to mess it up. And so we look at things through that lens where we, we don't make a big mistake and we make a decent return in retirement. And you're going to be just fine. You know, a lot of the other one-off things that happen during retirement, we're here to help. You've said we're financial Sherpas in the past, Jeff. Right, and I right. Think that's a good way to look at it is we get to help people retire multiple times a week versus you're going to do it once in a lifetime, hopefully, if we do it right. And uh, that's the goal. So hopefully we can help you avoid a lot of the pitfalls, avoid some of the costly mistakes tax-wise, things like that, and uh, you know, get you to exactly where you want to be in retirement. So the takeaway is that you just have to have a plan. That's what we talk about every week in this program is having a plan. And again, to get your plan, 417-889-7233. And again, no cost, no obligation, and no judgment. 417-889-7233. Safe money, that is something that a lot of people look to because they think that that is going to guarantee money for the rest of their life. And when we think safe money, we think about an annuity. Is an annuity necessarily the way to go to ensure that you're going to have money the rest of your life. Well, Jeff, it can certainly be an important part of an overall plan. The challenge that we get into with annuities sometimes is there's too many fees tied to them. Some of those do not give us principal protection. Some will guarantee us an income, but we still have a hole in our bucket if the economy goes bad and you may not have anything to leave for your children if that's important to you. So, I think that an annuity can be a very good part of a plan from time to time. Bonds can be a very good part of a plan as well as stocks, sometimes real estate. You know, it just depends on the time that we're in and what's happening. And so we need to build all of our plans with a degree of flexibility so that we can capitalize on future opportunities that we know will come. There's really no bad asset class. It's just that asset classes are always changing, and some are in favor now. Other ones will be in favor later, and we need to be able to take advantage of each of those different asset classes, and that's part of building a a really comprehensive, holistic plan. You talked about this comprehensive plan. How important is diversification in a comprehensive plan? Well, I would say this, you know, you've heard the old term, do not put all of your eggs in one basket, because if that basket gets turned over, right. you have no eggs, right? right. So uh, diversification is very important, but I would also say that asset allocation carries a lot of weight there too. So diversification is, hey, we're diverse, maybe within an asset class, and allocation is what asset classes do we actually own, and then we have diversity within the allocation class. So it's a little more complex than it might look at at first. Uh, Our job here at Floyd Financial Group, though, is to make this a simple process for people to retire. We want to educate them as much as they want to be educated. But at the same time, we want to try to make it easy for them. You know, once we set up the plan and we get it going, we want to have regular reviews. We want people to feel and stay connected to their money. So, again, you know, the part of the plan is, you know, we need to know what people want. We need to figure out the plan that supports that. We need to help them implement that plan. And then we need to stay on top of that and keep them connected to their money and make sure we're making the right moves and 
keep them where they know that we're on the job and that uh, they know what we're going to do probably after a little while before we're going to do it. It's really what ends up happening. For some of our clients that we've had a very long time, they are just almost like family and they know how we're thinking. And they also know that they can call us at any time and say, hey, what are you thinking? (laughs) You know, we're available to talk to and you're not talking to just some stranger on a phone you've never met, right? Absolutely. We're talking with Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group. We're talking about the fact that the largest number of Americans in history are going to be reaching age 65 next year, thinking about retirement, and they're worried about running out of cash. How does risk tolerance and time impact investment decisions regarding retirement savings? Sure thing. You know, if you're 25, I would say right now you need to be very aggressive in your investments, not can I say this? Not stupid. Yeah. Not speculative. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So we need to be sure that we're investing in companies that aren't, we aren't just going to lose our money. We don't want to do much investing in fledgling companies. But you know, if you're a youngster, yes, you have a lot more time on your side so you can be a lot more aggressive so that you can ride out the highs and the lows of the market knowing that it's always going to cycle. And as you get closer to retirement, we're more cognizant of the fact that we're running shorter on time and we need to you know, uh, have less risk uh, to preserve what we've built over time. And then, of course, once we hit retirement, we're going to have a different stance altogether. Like Jake had alluded to earlier, we want to make sure, yes, we want a return on our money. We want a good return. But we also want to make sure that the risk reward proposition is to the client's favor, meaning less risk to get that reward. So many times when we look at building portfolios, what we're looking to do is, again, this is kind of crude, but we're looking to win more and suck less mm-hmm. when things are not good, right? <laughs> so so, so we want to try to capture as much of the upside as possible while protecting to the downside, not taking all of the down when those you know bear markets come along. When people come into you for the consultation, they're worried about running out of money, and you go through the plan. Many times are you the bearer of good news in that you find out that uh, they not only will not run out of money, but they're probably going to have a fairly good retirement. Most of the time, Jeff, yes, as we sit down with people and we work through a plan, it's with rare occasion that we have anybody that comes in and they have to spend so much money out of their portfolio that we have to plan to spend them down to their last dollar at age 90. Generally what happens is we're able to spend money out of their portfolio and keep them level to maybe even growing their money a little bit over that 25 or 30 year retirement, which is what most people are looking to do. I don't know about you, Jeff, I don't ever like to see my account balance go down. And I don't think any of my clients do either. Now, there will naturally be some of that because markets are volatile and we can't control all that. But again, part of our job as the investment advisor here is to find out what a client's risk tolerance is. What level are they comfortable at? You know, when they see their account moving around, does it make them lose sleep at night? Are they, you know, nervous about it? Do they have anxiety? You know, we want to make sure that we meet people where they are and build their investment portfolio the same, you know, to keep them from having anxiety and all those feelings. So uh, that's really a big part of the plan. 
If our listeners are worried about running out of money in retirement, you've got some questions, you want to sit down with Randy and Jake and really discuss your path to retirement. You're looking for a Sherpa, so to speak, that will hold your hand up that mountain of retirement. Make sure you get there safely. Call Randy and Jake Floyd at Floyd Financial Group. Get your no cost, no obligation, no judgment financial review. It's yours for the taking at 417-889-7233. 417-889-7233. Again, no cost, no obligation, certainly no judgment. You can also request your plan online at floydfinancialgroup.com. It's floydfinancialgroup.com. Time for a break, gentlemen. We'll be right back with more of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. Do you currently have money invested in mutual funds? Are you aware of the potential hidden fees you could be paying? This is Randy Floyd here, founder of Floyd Financial Group. I recently had a client come into our office thinking they were paying 1% in fees to their mutual fund broker. Once we did a fee analysis on their portfolio, we uncovered that there were hidden transaction fees they had no idea they were paying because they didn't appear on their monthly statements. Instead of the 1% they thought they were paying, they were really paying close to 3%. And for them, that was $35,000 in fees. As an active traveler, that could have paid for several trips last year. Don't let this happen to you. After a lifetime of hard work, make sure that your nest egg is safe from hidden fees. Call Floyd Financial Group today for a complimentary consultation and fee analysis to uncover what hidden fees you may be paying. Call 877-889-PLAN. That's 877-889-7526. Or visit us online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Remember, it's time to take control of your money. If the fuel gauge in your car were broken, would you know how far you could drive before running out of gas? Well, not knowing how long your money will last in retirement is a lot like driving a car with a broken fuel gauge. You just don't know how far you can go. Randy and Jake Floyd at Floyd Financial Group want you to know that there's no need to live with the stress of uncertainty. At Floyd Financial Group, they have secure and principal-protected solutions that can guarantee lifetime income, protect you from market losses, and even provide for long-term care should you need it. If you want to learn how to create a more secure retirement, provide for your loved ones, and potentially reduce your tax burden, schedule your complimentary no-obligation financial review by calling 417-889-7233 or visit floydfinancialgroup.com. Take control of your financial future by requesting your complimentary no-obligation retirement review. You can also do it online at floydfinancialgroup.com. That's floydfinancialgroup.com. Advisory services offered through Floyd Financial Group, LLC. Back with your financial catch of the day, and it's a big one. Here's more Show Me the Money Radio with your host, Randy Floyd. Welcome back to Show Me the Money. I'm Jake here with Randy, and in this segment, we're going to be talking about ChatGPT. Is it the future of investing? I don't know about that. There was a little experiment that this fellow did that I read about in which he asked artificial intelligence, in particular chat GPT, a lot of questions such as, is cryptocurrency a good investment? He also asked, are index funds really better than actively managed funds? And the whole purpose of the exercise was to find out whether or not chat GPT or artificial intelligence could replace the human investment advisor. And the answers that he got were really, really rather cursory. So Let's talk about that a little bit, robo-advisors and why advisors such as yourself really cannot be replaced, at least for the time being. Do you think that with this chat GPT and all the people playing with it as a toy, do you think that it discourages people from actually using their brains and, and learning new things and it's sort of becoming a bit of a crutch? 
I think it does. Um, it it kind of depends on the subject. So when it comes to like financial advice, I think you'll find that any question you ask around finance to ChatGPT, you're going to find it answering the question much like a politician would. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of context and a lot of uh, body there, but no answer. Right. They ask the question, well, well, there's a lot of reasons that could be both professional and personal and yada, yada, yada. And then there's, there's no answer. And uh, the reason why that is is because the Microsofts and the Googles of the world don't want the liability of giving tax advice or right. or giving investment advice. So, hey, you said this was the best stock to buy, and then it tanked. What happened? You know, I want my money back. So I think you're going to find it to be very noncommittal on very specific questions. Where ChatGPT can be helpful, though, is you can say, hey, I'm interested in investing in this segment of stocks. Can you give me some examples of what companies that are publicly traded that I can invest in? And then it could give you a list of stocks, but it's not going to tell you this is the one you need to buy. And it, it's not very good at categorizing all the potential risk involved when it comes to investing. Well, as I said, some of the answers on this, they were lightning fast, but they were very, very surface. So my question is, where does chat GPT or where does artificial intelligence get its answers from? How is it intelligent and is it really intelligent or is it just spitting out things that have been published someplace else? That is the $10 trillion question, Jeff, and uh, that's being debated on every open forum about artificial intelligence on the planet right now. The way I see it is ChatGPT is only as good as what it's fed. Mm -hmm. And currently, the guardrails put on ChatGPT are as dangerous as if it did not have guardrails, meaning if it's only allowed to give answers on certain topics, it creates an inherent bias. And we've talked before on this show, and this is going to get away from the investing thing a little bit, but if I say, hey, tell me about what a great president, President Biden is. Right. It will write an article that very eloquently that says, hey, you know, Biden's a good president, he does this and that and the other. If I do the same thing for President Trump and say, hey, give me an article that says what a great President Trump was, it says, hey, we don't want to get into controversial topics, right. and uh, you know, it's just going to decline to answer. So I think that's probably the short-term inherent danger is the bias is known and unknown that they don't even know they're putting into it. The other issue is copyright, right? right. So it scours the web, and we're and we saw um, Reddit start to push back on this. So Reddit is an online forum where people post questions and answers and things like that. And a lot of the answers that ChatGPT was getting was coming from Reddit. And Reddit recently said, hey, we're not going to allow you to just scour our content with no repercussion, no cost, no nothing. So they're working on getting that shut down. But how do you determine what content it's allowed to have and what content it's not allowed to have. If it's only non-copyrighted content, you're going to reduce your content by a factor of about 99%. And so that's going to be probably the big heated issue around the next couple of years with this is how do we protect people's intellectual property rights? Because if it's given free reign of the internet, it's going to go into all kinds of copyrighted stuff. Right. If it's not allowed to do anything copyrighted, it's not going to be allowed to do anything. And so if it's allowed to infringe on copyrights, then that begs the question, why would anybody go to the trouble of writing any original content if ChatGPT is just going to rip it off? So ChatGPT really, I mean, they're calling it artificial intelligence, but to me, that's really not intelligence if it's just searching the internet, it's spitting out things that have already been published. Let's talk about how uh, artificial intelligence relates to a robo-advisor. First of all, for those people who do not know what a robo-advisor is, can you define that? 
Yeah, and that's a fairly wide thing to define, but basically robo-advisors are asset allocation model advisors that work at a fraction of the cost of an actual investment advisor. But basically when you call into them, it's like calling into AT&T for customer service. Um, there, there really isn't a whole lot, but because of that, you pay less money. And so it just helps you allocate based on how far retirement you are. But again, on a service level, it's it's a very minimal service thing. So like, you know, if you're one of those people that goes to the store and uh, an associate comes up and says, hey, thanks for coming in today. Can I help you with anything? And you go, I'm just looking. Right. Then maybe a robo-advisor would be for you. Mm-hmm. But if you like to have help looking for what you're looking for, if you don't know what you're looking for, and if you want to be able to ask questions and you like to have somebody check you out at the grocery store as opposed to doing it yourself, you're probably going to like the advisor experience a little better than a robo-advisor experience. As far as ChatGPT goes, ChatGPT and other AI services like it that are on the horizon will likely become a tool for advisors to use. It will be much more useful to an advisor who already has a way of doing things than to the average person trying to figure out retirement for the first time. So I could definitely see how it could help hedge fund managers find targets, find different stocks that they want to invest in or short or things like that. But I don't know that it's going to be super helpful, at least in the foreseeable future, for the average person who doesn't have a lot of investing knowledge base already. Well, I think investing in money is such an emotional thing. And I think that's something that you do at Floyd Financial Group. And every live investment advisor probably has to take into account people's emotions as far as money goes. How important is it for you to read the emotions of your clients when you're developing plans for them? I think it's incredibly important, and not every decision is made solely best on the mathematical best decision. You know, sometimes there's a lot of factors that come into play that are not math-based. You know, you may say, I think a good question here is a lot of people come in and they say, hey, I've heard that I need to wait till 70 or to my full retirement age to take Social Security. The answer to that is it depends. But if you look at it strictly from a math standpoint, it's always going to be better to wait till 70 because you don't know when you're going to pass away and that's just the highest payout, right? And so a chat GPT or AI is going to say, yeah, you need to wait at all costs because you're going to get this bigger payout. There's a lot of other factors to consider there. Your health, for example, is one of those things. So if you're 62 and you're retiring, you know, when's the next best 10 years of your life going to be? The next 10, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have better health, better ability to go do the things that you want to do. So I would argue that uh, unless there's a reason to not turn it on, we might want to consider turning on Social Security earlier so that you can use that money when you're more able to use that money, when you're more able to enjoy it. And so, again, don't take that as blanket advice. We have to look at every single situation specifically, but there's lots of times, in my opinion, that it could make sense to take Social Security earlier than that, given some other scenarios. So um, we have to look at the emotional We have to look at the numerical, right? We do have to focus on the math, and we do that very frequently. And I can tell you what the best option is mathematically, but it doesn't always match with what the best option is emotionally and with what you want to do over the next 10 years of your life. Well, chat GPT, I think, is a toy at this point, and I enjoy using it, but I use it as a toy. Artificial intelligence, I think, is in its infancy at this point. For younger investors, and I'm talking about people who may be in their uh, 50s at this point, they're not quite at retirement age yet. Do you think that artificial intelligence really will ever take the place of an investment advisor such as yourself? Again, I think that there will be some groups of people 
that really want to be hands off. They don't want to talk to anybody. If that's you and you like to, you know, shop online, have everything delivered to your doorstep and never leave your house, then yeah, that could be an option for you. But uh, for the vast majority of people, I think they're going to want some handholding. They're going to want to be able to ask a question when they have one and get an answer from a human being. Again, I don't know about the other people listening to the show, but I suspect I know the answer to this. But how much do you love it when you call into uh, some company and and you're forced to wait on hold for 30 minutes and, right. and the whole time you're holding it says, your call is very important to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, please continue to hold. And meanwhile, 30 minutes later, an hour later, somebody gets on the phone. <laughs> They barely speak English, right. and they have no idea what's going on. Like That's one of the most frustrating things in existence, if, if you ask me. And so I think they will find that the chat GPT experience of investment advising, or, or the equivalent of that, is going to be similar to that, at least for the next you know five to ten years. Now, again, we may advance to a point at some point where I would retract that statement, but I really think that there's a lot of people that like to ask very pointed questions, very specific questions to their situation, and they're just not going to be satisfied with the canned answer coming out of a chatbot. Yeah, and I think it's a very good point, Jake, and uh, that is a good thing to liken it to is when you call, let's say, ABC Cable Company. I mean, in the old days, and I realize we're not in the old days, but you you know, you used to get somebody who would answer the phone, hello, and my name is Jake, and you know, I'm with ABC Cable Company, how can I help you? Now when you call that number, you'll get an endless, endless phone tree that simply goes around and around and finally, if you can endure that phone tree, you might get a live person after a while, but that person is on another continent on the other side of the world, doesn't speak English, and what they're doing is they're just reading things off of a card that have been written for them. So if you like that sort of treatment, maybe a robo-advisor or chat GPT or artificial intelligence is for you. But for me, when it comes to something as important as my money, my investments, my future, running out of money, my retirement, I think I'm going to want to talk to an investment advisor who can relate to the hopes, the dreams, the visions, and the goals that I have for retirement. If you're one of those people who would like to talk to a real person who really is going to put the effort in and really cares about you getting you to and through retirement, I invite you to call Randy and Jake at Floyd Financial Group and request your no-cost, no-obligation, no-judgment financial plan. To get yours, call 417-889-7233. 417-889-7233. Again, no cost, no obligation, and no judgment. You can also request your retirement roadmap or your retirement review online at floydfinancialgroup.com. That's floydfinancialgroup.com. You're listening to Show Me the Money. Happy first day of July. We're glad you could join us. We'll take a quick break. Be right back with the final portion of our show right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. If you're like most Americans, healthcare is expected to be one of your largest expenses in retirement. Healthcare costs will likely consume a large portion of your retirement budget, and you need a plan for that. The pandemic has been hard on Americans nearing and in retirement, but there are likely even more obstacles coming. It's crucial to have a comprehensive retirement plan for the future because the pandemic won't be the last retirement challenge you're going to face. Between rising health care costs and the fact that an estimated 70% of today's retirees will need long-term care at some point, overall costs could be much higher. Randy Floyd at Floyd Financial Group will work with you to create a comprehensive retirement plan that factors in these increasing expenses. Randy takes the time to thoroughly explore your needs, no matter what stage of life you're in. 
Call Floyd Financial Group at 417-889-7233 and learn about their complete retirement investment strategy. That's 417-889-7233 or visit floydfinancialgroup.com. Advisor services offered through Floyd Financial Group, LLC. If you want to retire anytime soon, there are three factors that will affect your finances. The stock market, the economy, and tomorrow's tax bill. No one knows what the future may bring, but we do know that now is the time to have a plan and people you can trust to help guide you. At Floyd Financial Group, we focus on those nearing or already in retirement for times just like these. We've seen the bumpy times before and we'll see them again. And we remain cautious and prudent for today, but optimistic about tomorrow. To request a complimentary consultation, visit floydfinancialgroup.com. Ready to climb a mountain of financial know-how? Good. Because it's time for more Show Me the Money with your financial Sherpa, Randy Floyd. Welcome back to Show Me the Money. I'm Jake, and in this segment, we're going to be talking about how to save and invest for a long, happy retirement. That's right. That's what we want, a happy retirement, a retirement in which you not only survive, but you also thrive. So I want to dive into that a little bit. Let's talk about Social Security to begin with. I mean, that's the bedrock of a lot of people's retirement. And back when Social Security first was invented, I'll call it, you know, invented, I mean, people retired at 65, but they lived until 67, 68. Maybe they lived until age 70 if they were an old timer. So they had a five-year retirement. But today, people can retire. They may retire a little bit early, but they might have a retirement that lasts 30, 35 years. So, Jake, when people come in and you're designing a retirement plan for them, how long do you expect that plan to run out for? I mean, do you run it out to age 90 these days for a 30-year retirement? How do you do it? So it depends a little bit on the situation. We do talk about in a lot of scenarios, uh, people's longevity, parents' longevity, you know, how long should we expect to be here? But yeah, we definitely run it out to 90. There's some scenarios where we run it out longer than that. You know, it depends a little bit on the situation. But yeah, we, we certainly want to run it out to at least 90 because chances of people living to 90, if you have a couple that's 65 now, are really pretty high to have at least one uh, make it to 90. So we definitely don't want to be risking running out of money. We want to, uh, but a lot of times the plans that we put together, they're they're still increasing their balance by the time they get to 90, not spending it down. So it's usually not not a big issue how far we go out. You know, if you start with 500,000 and at age 90, you have a million, then obviously if you get them to 110, it's still going to be going up, right? So it's kind of, as long as we design the plan, in a way where we're not spending our money down too much, then we don't worry too much about exactly how long it is. But yeah, at least 90 is the answer, Jeff. So what sort of tools do you use from your toolbox to make sure that people are not going to run out of money? So there's quite a few different tools that we can use. Um, We have the ability, obviously, we'll use the stock market. We can use bonds. We can use money market accounts. We can use annuities. We can use RILAs, real estate. We have a lot of tools at our disposal, but it really depends on what your goals are and uh, you know how much spending you're going to be doing in retirement. Is it more important for you to spend as much as possible and enjoy your days here? Or do we want to focus on maximizing inheritance for your beneficiaries? Or do we want to be somewhere in the middle? And so based on that, we can kind of come up with those answers. So with a retirement that, let's say, lasts 30 years, do you break that down into 10-year increments, Jake? I mean, are there different expenditures that you'll have in the first 10 years versus the second 10 years and versus the last 10 years? What I mean by that is income is not distributed evenly over each of those 10-year segments, is it? 
Yeah, so I know I keep saying it depends, but uh, it it does depend. Uh, So sometimes I'll have people come in that want to knowingly spend their money down some in the first 10 years, meaning they know that next 10 years is going to be the best 10 years they're going to have. They want to travel. They want to do some things. And they're okay with spending their money down some and then taking less income later. So that's one strategy. Depending on whether you have a plan to deal with long-term care, if we have a couple that's age 65, you know, you have about a 70% chance or so of at least one of you visiting a nursing facility, long-term care facility. So depending on whether we have the long-term care issue dealt with, meaning do we have insurance, do we have a way to pay for that, determines that kind of last 10 years. So we can have a combination of all these different things where we want to spend a little more now, we want to reserve a little bit later for long-term care insurance, or we might just want to go out and say, hey, I want to have the most income I can have sustainably for the rest of my life, starting day one adjusted for inflation. And we can do that as well. So I I know I always say it depends on this show, but we really do try to approach everybody as a unique couple or person because everybody has a little bit different considerations coming into retirement. Um, You know, how secure is the rest of your income? Do you have a pension? how much money you save versus how much you need, all those types of things really play in. And so sometimes we have some more unique people too that really have some unique interests. We have a lot of people, a lot of different types of people out here, you know, Um, and so we want to make sure we account for all those special things and and make sure that the plan is as good as it can possibly be for you. We're talking with Jake Floyd, Floyd Financial Group, about uh, how to fund a 30-year retirement. Jake, should people count on spending less in retirement? I mean, when you do these retirement plans, let's say that they're spending $60,000 a year now, do you figure that they're going to spend less in retirement, more or about the same? Like we talked about in the earlier segment, Jeff, um, I think most people will spend less in retirement as a gross number, meaning if you made $150,000 a year as a couple while you were working, you probably don't need $150,000 a year in retirement because you're not funding your 401k at 10 or 15% and you're not paying Social Security tax and you're not paying FICA anymore because you're on Medicare and all that kind of thing. So a lot of times that number is closer to 75 or 80%, but a good a good benchmark is to look at what your take-home pays and maybe add about 10% to that, and that's a good number to shoot for in retirement if you don't have a budget otherwise. There's this 4% rule that William Bangan came up with in 1994, and while investors and financial planners have warmly embraced this 4% rule since 1994, it was really never intended to address every type of scenario in retirement. So what do you think about this 4% withdrawal rule on your investments? I mean, if you withdraw 4% every year, you shouldn't theoretically run out of money. But again, that rule just doesn't hold true for everybody, does it? Is there really a 4% rule? Or again, does it just depend greatly? And if it depends, what should the rule be? You know, I think that the 4% rule would probably work out for about 95% of people, meaning if you just had all your money stuck in the stock market, withdrew 4%, and you stayed invested through thick and thin, you're probably going to be okay. If you happen to do that at the end of 1999, you'd be in big trouble because you would never be able to recover from that downturn. So there are instances that could be a problem, and I think you're, you're basically banking that you know what's coming in the next two or three years. I don't think anybody with any intelligence is going to look around right now saying, I know exactly what's happened over the next two or three years, mm-hmm. you know, because the next two or three years, you know, I don't know what they're going to hold, but uh, I can promise you it's probably not what we're thinking it's going to hold. There's so many eventualities that could come out. We could be a lot higher in the markets. We could be a lot lower. 
again, 4% is a decent rule of thumb. I would say a lot of people do not have enough money to withdraw only 4% and get to the income number that they need. A lot of people need to go to 45 or 5%. And when you start withdrawing a little bit more like that, it's really important that we mitigate some of the risk in the portfolio. Because if we have a couple of down years in a row there, it can get pretty bleak pretty fast. So again, that's why, again, like you said, it, it depends on how much you got saved, how much you need to spend, whether one accelerates spending early, all these different things come into play. And so that's why, you know, we offer the comprehensive financial review. It's free of charge. We don't charge anything to do that. So that you can come in, you can ask all your questions, no matter how specific they are. And we can then go back to the drawing board and put together a plan once we've gotten to know you that really works for you and your situation. Jake, I would imagine that one of the obstacles that you face in making your money last as long as you do is going to be health care expenses. How do you design a plan to account for the unexpected, such as health care expenses or such as that big purchase that you need to make? Depending on what everybody has saved and how hard they're spending on their money, there's quite a few different ways we can handle it. There's you know, traditional long-term care insurance, depending on your current age. If you're over 65, that probably doesn't make sense right now. You know, It could make sense still if you're in your 50s. But long-term care insurance has gotten really expensive, and, and they've been really raising the rates a lot, so it's not a good option for a lot of people. There's kind of a another scenario where it's similar to long-term care insurance, but um, it works on a, a deposit basis. So basically, you could deposit $100,000 in this account, and then it would be leveraged up to three times for cost of care. So that means I put 100000 in, and then let's say 10 years goes by and you need the care. You can have up to $300,000 to spend on care. So it kind of leverages that dollar. And then depending on whether you have a lot of retirement assets or after-tax money, there's some other types of planning that can be done with an attorney and things like that that can help shield some of those assets from cost of nursing home and things like that. But again, depending on each person's situation, you know, sometimes people have a whole bunch of land, right? Maybe you have four or 500 acres of land, but you don't have a whole lot of cash besides that. There's certain situations that work really good to fix that problem as well from a nursing home standpoint. So again, I keep saying it depends, but it really, really does depend. But there are several ways to attack that. And basically what we want to do is leverage as many dollars as we can, meaning instead of just spending the money dollar for dollar on nursing home, let's try it to where we can spend it three to one, meaning it costs me one of my dollars for every three I spend. You know, any Anything we can do leveraging that money like that really goes a long way to mitigating the damage of the nursing home. And again, it is impossible to give a specific answer to everybody's situation because everybody is different. I mean, we're giving blanket advice here, but the way to get the advice that applies to you particularly is to get in and sit down with Randy and Jacob Floyd Financial Group, talk about your individual situation and design a plan that's going to get you to retirement, a retirement that could last 30 plus years. So to do that, call 417-889-7233, 417-889-7233 for your no cost, no obligation, no judgment retirement review. 417-889-7233. You can also request your plan online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Jake, so much to talk about, but so little time. I want to thank you for your time, but most of all, I want to thank the fine people here of the last bastion of sanity, Springfield, Missouri, for joining us. For Jake and Randy, I'm Jeff Shade. Get out, have a great weekend in this great part of the country that we live in. 
We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 FM KSGF where Springfield comes to talk. Financial planning offered through Floyd Financial Group, LLC, an investment advisor registered in the state of Missouri. All investments carry risk, and no investment strategy can guarantee a profit or protect from loss of capital. Past performance is not indicative of future results.